spoil the movie by adding your own commentary. Hello and welcome to Sideflix, a podcast where we see what's in theaters so you don't have to. My name is Christian Skillian. And I'm Julia Pershing. And we are talking about the movie of the hour, Uncharted. Just kidding. <laughs> the Batman. <laughs> the, ba- the movie of three hours. The movie of three whole hours. The Batman. I... Quick, quick, quick journey into my thoughts on the movie uh, industry currently. Uh-huh. 90 minute movies. Please. I just want a 90 minute movie. Please. I'm literally begging. I'm a literally like my attention span is so shot from COVID, from work, from everything. The clock app. The clock app. From literally podcasting, because when we like watch things at home, we like pause and take notes and like mm-hmm. discuss as we go. Three hours is a long time. However, I was not one of the assholes in our theater who was checking my phone the whole time. Yeah. Yikes. Don't do that, guys. Don't do that. Okay. I did have a little bit of a... So it just so happened that me and all of my siblings, all of whom live in different (laughs) cities, all saw Batman at the same time, like Mm -hmm. in time and space, just not in the same state or time zone. Um, And they both had kind of like bad theater etiquette and their uh theaters too and i can't mm-hmm. tell if this is like a post-covid we all have to relearn how to exist and like be in public spaces together type of thing or if it's just that the type of audiences who see superhero movies only see superhero movies and have no sense of like movie going decorum I think it's a zesty blend of both. Also, I would assume that your siblings were in similarly sold out theaters. Yes. Um, And it's just like, you know, the more people you have in a space, the more likely it is that some of those people will misbehave. That is definitely true. It's funny. My um, siblings both live in my siblings both live in L.A. And like. There, I guess Rob Pattinson showed up to like an AMC in Burbank and like surprised their crowd. And my older sister was like, damn it, I almost went to that one. Damn, that yeah. would have been great. Yeah, it would have been fun. Um, but yeah, it was three hours. I had a lot of fun. Um, I think it could have been like two, two and a half, maybe. Yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, interesting crowd. This is It's funny, for the bad behavior, it's also the least raucous crowd I've been in in a superhero movie, and Mm -hmm. I think that has to do with the Marvel Industrial Complex, because this isn't a Marvel movie, so, like... No. But I will say, there were some, like, good reveals. There were moments to, like, be reacting to what was going on on screen, but mostly it was just people laughing at things that were not funny. That is true, (laughs) I will say. So, let's get into it. Tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about the Batman, and we will talk about our thoughts. All right. So, um, the description we're going to give of this movie, but also, you know, heads up, spoilers only on this podcast. (laughs) This podcast is not spoiler-free. It is spoilers only. Um, But basically, how this Batman movie is going down is it is his second year of fighting crime in Gotham, and Batman uh, uncovers even more corruption in his city that connects to his own family whilst facing off against a serial killer known as the Riddler. It was um, written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Um, Matt Reeves is well known for writing and directing uh, Cloverfield and the 2017 Planet of the Apes. Um, and Peter Which Craig wrote... Which people like. Yeah. I, I never saw it, but people really liked. I think that's also an Andy Circus vehicle. Interesting. Um, yeah. Peter Craig wrote The Town. Oh, Which, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I can see how Planet of the Apes <laughs> plus the town equals Batman, actually. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. He also wrote um, the first uh, the first and second Mockingjay movies. Interesting. So they both have, like, you know, bombastic action movies under their belts. Um, Matt Reeves also directed the film. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a good team, I think, for this particular kind of movie. Yeah. And I think they accomplished mostly what they set out to do. I think so, too. Um, you know, I think just on initial thoughts, I liked that this wasn't a traditional origin story. I don't really need to see the Waynes killed for the eighth time. No, it's it's too much. It's like boring at this point. It was it was interesting that we saw the Joker already in jail and already people in clown, you know, masks like mm-hmm. that. We missed. I hope they don't go back and do some sort of prequel to this movie because I just don't give a shit. No, I about literally the Joker. don't care. Um, yeah, I was really I was mostly impressed with the care this took to be interesting because. Inherently with superhero movies, you're going to have a formula that you have to fight against. And I thought that this was engaged in like the visual aspects of it. I thought it was really engaged with um, architecture and set deck and costuming. I think it wanted to create a visual language that was wholly unique, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting was really good. I really hardly like, agree. Yeah, I you had a really all-star cast. And it's like... Not like you're not putting people who are good at acting in most superhero movies, but I don't necessarily get think they always get the chance to show off their chops. And like, mm-hmm. even though Colin Farrell is in like a really sort of reduced role in this movie, he was still so he's Colin Farrell. Yeah. <laughs> it was great to watch. It was a, he's a joy to have in class, you know. Um, so I I on the surface really enjoy this movie as we get into this discussion we're gonna start pulling out the things where I was like uh maybe not what were your initial thoughts um very much along the same lines um as you I remember when the casting with this movie was announced and it was like we heard that Robert Pattinson was gonna play Batman and I was like that guy and I want to be clear I love Robert Pattinson Love him. I think he's very, very talented. Um, I like seeing him in pretty much anything he does. But I was not sold initially on him being Batman. And uh, he pulled it out. He really delivered, I thought. I Like, the last thing you have to worry about Rob Pattinson is commitment. (laughs) That's true. That is very true. The man did make The Lighthouse. The man, like, oh, God. The stories about his behavior on The Lighthouse, if I were Willem (laughs) Dafoe, I'd quit. He used to just make himself throw up on set. I hope that was one of his, like, lies, you know? Oh, yeah, because he just is a pathological liar. liar, Which is, like, very hot and sexy of him. But, like, (laughs) I am also, like, are you an unbearable person? Zoe Kravitz seems to like him, so... Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to read this tweet from at Kenny Keel on Twitter. Mm-hmm. People keep listing Robert Pattinson's acting credentials to show he's more than Twilight. But I want to what what I want to know is when did we as a society decide that being a vampire was silly and playing <laughs> Batman was prestige? <laughs> well, OK. Um, first of all, teenage girls loved Twilight. Yeah, this is so a gender that's thing. Part of that, but um, there was a flip flop because <laughs> vampires like think about the '90s. Vampires yeah. prestige, Batman absurd. That's true. What ha- Anne Rice just stopped like they stopped making her stuff, you know? Well, also like you're right. Like the vi- the vampire thing became less like a horror focused and more like sensation for like True Blood, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh God, True uh, Blood, True Blood. <laughs> rent free yeah um so it was really fun I loved watching Robert Pattinson mm-hmm. um I think that it's again interesting that people are trying to be like he's more than Twilight but Rob Pattinson has like a really impressive a, resume a, impressive resume like 
a very good career post-Twilight. And people are like, this is the only thing people know him from. Do you guys watch movies? Uh, yeah, he was in the Water for Elephants and Well, the he was Lighthouse also in and... Good Time and mm-hmm. The Lighthouse. And he was in High Life, which is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's, dude's, he, dude's he's working. working. <laughs> he's doing cool stuff. So what the F? Um, but maybe that is also like a thing of like people who watch superhero movies aren't watching Claire Denis movies. Possibly. There has to be some overlap, but I would imagine it's a very small it's part me. of the Venn diagram. It's me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that this... I, I, I think that I... For all... Like, it's funny. When I think about what we saw, I was kind of expecting to be feeling really strong one way or the other. I mm-hmm. think I walked away just sort of, like, sated. Yeah. Well, when we were saying before that this movie accomplishes what it sets out to do, mm-hmm. I I personally don't have, like, huge feelings about Batman other than, like, a fond affection. Um, for the Nolan movies. For the, for the Nolan movies and also just, like, for the general concept of Batman in the comics world and all of that stuff. Um, when we start getting into politics, I do want to talk about, like, the place of Batman. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So what was something that you walked away where you were like, that was, like... That was it. That was done really well. Besides just the acting. Like, that was mm-hmm. it. That was done really well. I really appreciated this aspect. Um, I really, really liked the score. I I think I liked the score while I was watching it. And the more I thought of it, the more I was like, if I have to hear Ave Maria one more freaking time. I thought okay. it was really redundant. Um, the Ave Maria, definitely. And there was a Nirvana song that played, like, more than once. And I was like... I'm I'm thinking more along the lines of like the actual music that was oh. like written for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not when, the soundtrack. Not right. the, use the, your brain, Christian. Yeah. Um, but you know, something I noticed like kind of right away when Batman is on the scene um, at, at the first murder when the mayor is, you know, killed and tied up in his room. Um, there are these like violin pulses that are going on behind him, and they sound like bats, which mm. is a little on the nose, but kind of fun. Um, and that theme kind of carries out throughout the movie I think um it was used with like a very intentional touch I don't think it was scored in moments where it didn't need to be um I really enjoyed it I thought it added to the atmospheric feeling I'm gonna counter you and say Mm -hmm. that I thought it was like kind of unremarkable I think the Mm -hmm. huge problem with superhero movies is that none of them have a recognizable score like all of them are basically like sort of built on bass tracks it's Mm -hmm. like feels like everything is super generic and I didn't think that this was anything in particular like I I would not I honestly like I know we just saw the movie but if you played music from this score I wouldn't I don't know if I would necessarily be like oh that was from the Batman well I think it's kind of difficult I think coming up with recognizable scores is less and less possible um because when you think of the really famous ones, it's like, you know, Jurassic Park and Star Wars and those things loom so large in the public consciousness. And I think when... I think that it's reductive to say that it's less and less popular possible because look at Dune. Well, that's true. But even that is pulling from so much material that people already would find recognizable. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't... I think like... Like, literally superhero movies are scored, like, using bass tracks now. Like, this, I don't think that that's the same. It just, it felt more intentional in this movie to me than in other superhero movies. Okay. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, I guess I, I didn't really pick up on that as much. I, 
didn't even really notice anything all that much about the sound. Like I liked some of the the sound in the um, in Forty Four Below or whatever it was called, the club within the club. Like I liked the techno elements, and I thought that like the sort of mixing of the voice and and the music was really interesting, especially when it came to like the high stakes parts and when he's talking in her ear. But I Mm -hmm. I think I noticed more about sound than I did about music. Um, I think. all of the location stuff was really good. I think the set design was really good. My one thing is that, like, you can tell which parts of this movie were filmed in London and which were form- filmed in Chicago. Like, at one point, they're just having a fight on a brown line platform, and it literally says brown line to the loop. And I was like, hey, I know where that is. <laughs> That's where we live. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, I... <laughs> my office was in the back of one of the shots. I was like, hey, I work there. I That was the thing I enjoyed about um, the way that, like, Gotham was constructed um I liked that it seemed like an amalgamation of different cities because you know the Nolan Batmans are clearly it's just Chicago it is yeah um trying to act like Lake Michigan is an ocean to somewhere um to to Michigan to Michigan it is I guess it is (laughs) um and that's fine but you know you go into it with all of your preconceived notions about Chicago and then having the it be like it's kind of New York and it's kind of London and it's kind of Chicago it makes it feel so much more like unwieldy and it helps you to understand like how things could have gotten so out of control because it's like ever moving ever changing I really liked that well, I think what I really appreciated was the trying to create Gotham as a city its own. Mm-hmm. Like, it had a very clear, like, layout. It had a very, like, specific skyline. It was clearly, like, again, you were recognizing parts of London, parts of Chicago. Mm-hmm. But I think that this was, like, the best. It- because, like, you know, we we really haven't had a chance to, like, I guess except for Man of Steel, like, dig into the idea that, like, the DC universe has cities that literally don't exist other places. And generally, mm-hmm. like, Metropolis is just, like, boring, generic place that is Kansas City. Yeah. You know? So I appreciated how much how much care was taken in trying to create a place that was unique, especially because that's actually a really hard task not to not just be like, it's New York. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're trying to create something tangible that doesn't actually exist. And I think it it played well with architecture. We saw like, I mean, the thing about Chicago and London is they are both such specific architecture cities. Mm-hmm. So it felt sometimes um, incongruous in trying to meld the two, but then other times it I think it really worked. Like because there is some Gothic architecture in Chicago, and mm-hmm. obviously some more. Obviously, there's like fucking glass buildings in London. London is just sort of like this one is from the 1300s and this is from yesterday. So, I thought that was interesting. I liked a lot of that, and I liked that. Um, I liked that Wayne Manor was like actually just in a like a penthouse, but it was also a church. It was it was Tribune Tower. That's what it looks like. Because <laughs> up at the top of Tribune Tower, it just looks like a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, I want to live there. I want to live there. And Bruce Wayne gets to live there. So Good for him. How annoying. Yeah. Um, I appreciated that. Something else I uh, appreciated was um, the sort of like, I think a lot of these movies get really quick to be, they'll be like, we have to be hyper connected to the universe or like stand alone. And I liked that this, like, it showed Gotham as like a systemic, you know, like a place that actually like we're all you know, passive good and evil are tributaries to the same city. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there was a, hu- a a very good world building structure in Gotham, like politically, um, gangsterly, 
and like in a citizen way something that was interesting was that how bruce like is not a member of gotham basically yeah he's like a hermit um i actually think that that if you are really trying to distinguish the christian bale performance and the robert pattinson performance you know um christian bale's like Batman is so charming. He's a playboy. He has like 10,000 fancy cars and he shows up to all of the galas. Um, he like has a role to play in society. And that's interesting within those movies. Um, but especially because we're like already two years into Bruce being Batman, he clearly doesn't have any other relationships beyond like Alfred. Um, it would make, it makes complete sense that he is a hermit. Basically. Yeah. Well, it's interesting like what I think it does is actually sort of cut out part of what is inherent to like the superhero narrative, which is the idea that you live a double life. Mm-hmm. He's not really living a life outside of Batman because he doesn't have any relationships that aren't Alfred. He doesn't engage in like Gotham as like a member of the society. You know, it's mm-hmm. like interesting because and I'm, I'm I I know it's sort of boring to keep drawing back to the Dark Knight, but like that's obviously the most salient comparison. Although actually, I think. Batman Begins is probably the more salient comparison. Um, But like you said, like, Bruce is a member of society and has created a facade that would direct Batman, like, the idea that he's Batman away from him, Mm -hmm. whereas this Bruce just doesn't engage at all, so why would anybody think that he's Batman? It's like, you know? But I think that that's boring. I actually think something I walked away from was, like, I feel like I didn't learn anything about Bruce Wayne. I, I, I'm he- if I'm watching a Batman movie, I am here for the man pain specifically, and I learned fuck nothing. Like, his parents are dead, but you know they're going in. Yeah, I also think that this movie was teased to the public as being about man pain. Like, it's going to be the darkest Batman ever. It certainly was not. It, well, I mean, like, literally, I couldn't see anything. Oh, but- like, yeah, visually, the darkest mm-hmm. Batman. Um, But... Yeah, I think character development is where this movie falls short in a lot of ways. Um, For sure. Maybe we should move into that. Yeah. Um, I didn't really understand. Like, I didn't. I thought that Andy Serkis was, like, not utilized correctly in this movie. I don't really understand, like, his relationship to Alfred all that much. Other than, like, Alfred is, it's, like, really generic. Like, Alfred is his caretaker. Mm -hmm. His relationship to Catwoman is based mostly just on, like, surface level attraction like they are he does like he's very much impressed by her and like doesn't like is is you know likes the way that she sort of views the world in a way that he doesn't agree with but like is interested in it and like he finds her smart and talented but like Mm -hmm. we don't really know that much about her either other than like she has daddy issues and a girlfriend who gets murdered uh that's a lot to to take in yeah um Weirdly enough, for um, all of the teasing that they've done about their particular relationship, like, in the press tour and everything, it's really sexless. Um, yeah, I mean, like, well, it's, there's there's sex compared to, like, the rest of the, like. Well, sure, but that's a low, low bar. Low, low bar, because, like, the Disneyfication of the film industry is just turning everybody, it's like, they're reinstating the Hayes Code. Ken dolls, no one has anything down yeah, there. Yeah, toothless, gutless, crotchless. So it was interesting to see a romantic relationship being pursued, but again, it didn't really feel all that engaging to me. One, because it is suggested very much that Catwoman, or that, um, is in a relationship with her roommate, Annika. Who, who was murdered. Who was murdered. And then, like, 
after losing Annika and knowing she's dead, Catwoman's like, I guess I'll make out with Batman, which doesn't like that does not a human thought to me. No, like, of course, she'd be seeking comfort. But I don't think that that is what would be produced it kind of seems like she because even if it was that i would be interested in 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 engaging in that being the the motive for Mm -hmm. wanting this from bruce or she doesn't know who he is from batman but it's not it's It's literally not discovered this is a movie that i would say is a plot movie not a character movie and i would rather it be a character movie yeah por que no los dos you can do both you really can have it all if you just try yeah um yeah i I totally agree with you on that and the weirder thing about it is that if she just wants to make out with batman that's great um i really don't care but they are trying to tease an emotional relationship like they're parting at the end she's like very sad that he's not coming with her and it's like we didn't but i haven't had a conversation no they don't really know each other that's not earned to me um I totally agree with you about the comment about Andy Serkis. One, I think he's a little too young um, to play Alfred, and I know that... Well, this Batman is so young. Yeah. Like, this Batman is supposed to be, like, 29. Which is, I guess, it makes sense that a 29-year-old would be doing the Batman thing. Um, But he's in, like, two scenes. And especially given the fact that Batman's only other relationship is with Catwoman, I think that's part of what the problem is. Like... You know, in the Nolan Batman's Bruce has that relationship with Rachel mm-hmm. um, that helps us because she clearly knows who he is, and that's help that helps the audience understand yeah. who he is. But we don't really get that sense from anyone else in the movie. Yeah, about Bruce. Yeah, we don't we don't watch other people make personal observations about him, other than him rolling up to the funeral and people being like, oh, "That's Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Wayne is here," and like that's not an observation. That's like shock you know Mm -hmm. and even in other like even i'm sorry again about the dark knight but like we even we know how harvey feels about bruce Mm -hmm. you know yeah we don't really know how anybody feels about him other than alfred having this responsibility to him and catwoman being vaguely intrigued by him yeah he's just a curiosity yeah which is like he's basically like a shadow puppet (laughs) it's kind of frustrating i also think the dialogue is pretty atrocious like the scene one, I think that's a huge reason as to why this movie is so long. There's conversations mm-hmm. that go in circles, especially the scene where he's like talking to Alfred in the hospital. I was like, this is so poorly written. People do not talk like this. No. But it's not stylized in a way where you're like, oh, people might talk like this in this universe. It's just so clunky. Yeah. I. It's funny because I feel like um, this movie is being marketed as Batman as the world's greatest detective, but... None of the dialogue or the riddles or really any of the way that this is being constructed tells us that he's particularly smart or that he has normal conversations with people. Well, I think we get that he's smart. Like, he's a good puzzle solver, but I mm-hmm. don't... Like, this movie is very clearly trying to be, like, a crime noir. Um, just said it in the 70s. Just I mean. said it in the 70s. But no, like, and but the thing that would make it actually sit more comfortably in there is if it was, like, a, a very, like, dialogue-heavy character study of the person who's trying to pursue this and, like, we had a really good idea of who he was and why he's able to figure these things out. Mm-hmm. But it's it feels very pastiche as opposed to, like, you know, it's actually not- fitting itself within the genre. And a lot of people were comparing it to Winter Soldier, which I think is interesting. Um, I think... Because I didn't get... I didn't see that. Perhaps tonally and the idea that corruption runs deeper than you actually think it does. Yeah. Um, 
But even that, and that I think would have been an interesting avenue to go down that like maybe um, Bruce's sainted father was not a very good guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the end it was, well, he did some bad things, but ultimately good at heart. Well, I also think like the one thing that I appreciate about Winter Soldier over this movie, like politically, is that like upon hearing how deep the corruption goes, Captain America's like, well, we should just blow up S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Get rid of it. You know, he's right. right. (laughs) And like... There is an element to this movie where, like, not only do we really not know anything about Bruce other than, like, he feels, you know, these these feel, these things about, like, losing his parents and, like, is really distraught by the idea that his father could have been corrupted. But then upon hearing about how deep the corruption goes in this city and that being the forefront of the Riddler's, like, agenda, mm-hmm. he's, like... Like, basically, the Riddler is, like, a cab, and Batman is, like, not all cops. And that's really, fr- like, politically, that's really frustrating, because this is not the only thing that's, like, done this sort of neo-libby, like, no, we can fix the system mm-hmm. where you present your villain as having leftist ideals with, like, alt-right tendencies, like, and actions, which is what, basically, they do with the Riddler. Is like, you agree mm-hmm. with what he's saying. You're like, yeah, we should get rid of this. But you don't want him to be a terrorist. You just think that the system is corrupt. And that's why when Batman comes in, he's like, no, like, we can fix the system. It's like, I'm I'm sorry, what are you saying about this? I mean, that this is... This was an issue with Falcon and Winter Soldier, too, where you're yeah. like, no, but I agree with these people. What, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, that is, like, the crux of Batman. Like, really any Batman film is that he's trying to uphold the systems so that they can fix themselves from within. And we know that that's not possible. No. And that's kind of like the Batman trolley problem. And I think that like when I was talking about like, you know, the issue Batman has in culture is like, one, there's an element to like, we can't keep retelling this story and expect it to keep like, it's not, you know, this was also an issue in The Dark Knight. It's also an issue, I'm sure, in whatever Ben Affleck was doing. I didn't see that movie. Um, did. Who did? I did not. <laughs> I, I'm sure it made money. Um, but, like, there is an element to, like, Batman is one, like, part of the the thing. Part of part of the, the disbelief you have to suspend is that, like, Bruce Wayne isn't using his money to fund, like, social programs. He's using mm-hmm. it to be a vigilante. Why would he do that? Because that's the Batman story. Why don't we dismantle the systems in place that keep Gotham a terrible city? Because then the story ends. Yeah. Like, we actually, as a society, have kind of progressed past Batman. And there are other DC heroes we could talk about instead. I totally agree. In that vein, though, do you want to talk about the Riddler? Because yeah. Uh, Paul Dano, incredible. Fanta- First of all, fantastic casting. I... What a great guy to do this particular role. It's I would not have it's I would not have picked him, Mm-mm. you know, like when I, people are like, oh, who do you I would pick somebody sort of like flamboyant and ridiculous. Uh, a la a Jim Carrey type. Yeah, basically uh, making him just like a reclusive like weirdo in, weirdo. Uh, yeah, um, it's great. I thought the costuming was really bad, though. I wanted him to look like. Like, where was his suit with question marks? Come on. He looks like a mole man. He, yeah, he looks, I yeah. I don't get it, which is funny because I think the costuming in the rest of the movie is pretty good. Jacqueline Duran, mm-hmm. two thumbs up. Especially in the general. Halloween scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, it with all great. of the masks. Yeah, the costuming is good. Ex- like, ex- I was like, come. Except for the Riddler. Really? Uh, here's the thing. Maybe, okay, put him in the mole man, but put the question mark all over the mole man costume. Like, 
do or something at least, at le- like you know he's got his little symbol whatever the question mark and the little yeah you know, his zodiac sign there was a couple Truly. things in this that actually really reminded me of zodiac specifically the stabbing scene with the mayor at the beginning mm-hmm. there's like a stabbing like a daylight stabbing scene in zodiac that i kind of reminded me of interesting i mean i feel like it pulls from so so many other like big fil- it pulls from blade runner but yeah. anyway back to paul dano the mm-hmm. riddler um i was so relieved when I learned that the villain of this movie was not going to be the Joker. Yeah. And again, it's frustrating politically, despite Paul Dano's performance, that like, I agree with what he's, not the murder part. You don't don't agree with what he's doing. You agree with the premise on which he's built this cult. Exactly. Which is really frustrating, again, because it is like, it's like neo-lib propaganda. Like the system can be fixed, but like, you and I both want to defund the police. I don't think that system is getting fixed anytime soon. Absolutely, and this not. is trying to convince me that this can be mm-hmm. by making my by making those ideas upheld by like a crazy a troll, person, basically. Yeah. yeah, that was really frustrating to me. But again, like Paul Dano's performance was really interesting. I'm really happy that we didn't do another Joker thing. The Joker does show up at the end, and they make friends in mm-hmm. Arkham. Um, Arkham, which I could see maybe it being like a later thing where they bring out a bunch of villains, but I certainly do not need another Joker movie. No. What I, did you say about the Joker being the new Hamlet? I, it's like every actor lines up to play him. It's like the dream. Yeah. Why? Why? It's... Well, I know why. It's Heath Ledger's performance is incredible. Yes. It's really, I mean, just outstanding. And of course, everybody wants a piece of that pie, but like, we could let it rest with him, honestly. Yeah, he can have that legacy. It's really okay. Yeah, it's, well, Joaquin Phoenix, like, mentioned him in his Oscar speech or whatever. Like, clearly all of this is rooting back to that. And it's like, again, if you want to differentiate yourself from those movies, you cannot keep doing Joker stuff. Yeah. That's like the Joker now. That's what people think of. They don't think about like the comics guy with the, the you know. They don't think about the Mark Hamill. Yeah. Villain. They should though. I love yeah. Mark Hamill. Big fan. Yeah. Um. No, I really, I loved the interrogation scene um, where Batman is talking to the unmasked Riddler. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because like Robert Pattinson has all of this acting to do with just his eyes when he realizes that, when he thinks that the Riddler knows who he is. Yeah. And the panic is so evident. Yeah. Um, and it's very impressive. Um, and I, I also like that because of course you have to have an interrogation scene and it's very calm, um, and quiet, uh, very different from the other iterations of that that we've seen. Yeah. Well, what I think was interesting is that in the typical version of that scene, the Riddler would give Batman a piece of information that makes him freak out Mm -hmm. but the thing that changes here is that the Riddler has like projected this huge like you know it basically has this parasocial relationship with Bruce where he's like we're the same Mm -hmm. we're doing the same we're doing the same thing and then when he finds out that that is not the case he breaks down and then the rest of the plans unfold. The one thing I, you know, I was talking about how I didn't like the the Riddler costuming. I really liked when everybody showed up in the glasses and the mole suits, like mm-hmm. his um, cult, basically. Yeah. I will say, it did give me some American panic, the scene in the, like, um, stadium. Oh, absolutely. Because... Like, the pulling the fire alarm to get people out in the hallways. And, I, like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Deep American panic. I think about that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But I also thought because the Riddler was already in jail and like it was just a bunch of like internet weirdos who were causing this, I was like, this is kind of super. Like it just felt lackluster. It was it, not so. It like was not the like denouement that I thought this movie was gonna get. No, I I think. It really seemed to me like they didn't really know how to handle the fact that the Riddler is like a micro internet celebrity. When the when they asked like he's got over five hundred followers. Okay. Five hundred people can't do shit. <laughs> like it would be I I think it would have been like an interesting reveal and a um show kind of an understanding about how the internet really works if they found out that the Riddler was like this huge internet presence that they had no, no idea, idea about. about. Yeah, like QAnon stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what this was trying to get at, but didn't quite grasp the scale. And also, like, this did feel very... And, like, this movie was a, f- a pre- and post-COVID filming thing. So it wasn't really like they... Like, the insurrection had not happened at the time they started. Nor had the Black Lives Matter protests and all of this other, like, social and upheaval. It, it felt really enabled to catch up with what has happened in the last year and a half, basically. Totally. Which... Yeah, a shitload has happened. But, like, so there's, like, this scene where Catwoman, like, says something about, like, how, you know, Bruce is just, like, this white rich kid or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's true. But you haven't engaged in that, the idea of, like, class and and race disparity in Gotham until right now. You've basically just been, like, it's the the corruption versus the citizens. And you're bringing that up in a way that doesn't... forward the plot or inform us anything about how this exists in Gotham's structure yeah I think they wanted to kind of have their cake and eat it too um with that whole thing they did well that's how it felt about the Riddler Mm -hmm. like they wanted to say those things but also it's bad and like they wanted to you know call Bruce out for being rich but then didn't can't do anything else about it because then that you know makes him not the hero of the story anymore yeah which it felt really wishy-washy and like unable to pick which which hills to actually die on. It's con- it was confusing politically. Um, it, no, it just, was not confusing. It was confused. I okay. understood what was yeah. happening. They didn't. Makes yes, that's what I meant. Um, yeah, but all in all, I liked the Riddler. I thought it was a good choice. Yeah, I um, thought the the pacing was kind of whack. I thought the first two acts. We're done pretty well. There's a really like extended car chase scene. That- oh, so boring. Okay. And listen, I hate car chases. I hate them. Well, I want to say that I really like car chases and I really love action movies and there's a way to do it, but nothing blows up. No one bleeds. Like it's just uh, not OK. Like there was n- I'm so tired of people not getting hurt in mm-hmm. superhero movies. I don't. I'm like, I love body horror. I think that it's really affecting. I think that it's really interesting. But if you're going to pose this as being like, if you want to set a superhero movie in like a gritty real life version of reality, then real life things need to happen when think when people get hurt. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that I need to watch like brains blow up, but I think it's really weird when someone gets punched in the face and they don't bruise. Bruise or get like a little laceration or bruise takes batman takes a shotgun to the chest in his bat suit which is way too bulletproof yeah it was too bulletproof why how and and why um yeah but the the like we see his scars at the beginning but we don't see anything like you do in dark knight where you see like active healing he's purple like yeah (laughs) you know Um, like nobody's like again it's 
Only in superhero movies can somebody break their nose in half and have it not bleed. It's a, except for a dainty little trickle. Ugh. Ugh. Um, and it's like, I think rating this movie PG-13 was trying to have its cake and eat it too. Just rate it R. Just rate it R or make a movie that is like a comic book movie and is... Um, it doesn't have to be like the dark, edgy, gritty thing. It can just be a Batman movie and be both engaged and can, can be engaging for all audiences and not prop itself up on this. Like, this is where my parents died. Raphael. <laughs> Cowabummer. <laughs> like I need a little bit more Cowabummer. I Cow- think. Yeah. They were trying really hard to make this a little funny with Jeffrey Wright, who was bless him trying his hardest. Um, and it really wasn't it just, I, no. although I'm happy it wasn't funny because as we know, I hate quips, mm-hmm. hate them. Yeah. And I think that our audience was anticipating it being funnier. Well, there was a lot of laughter coming from like one pocket of the theater. Yeah. And I was like, what is funny? And I don't think that, it, uh, like, I don't necessarily want my superhero movies to be comedies. So no, it can have a moment of levity, but like, or if it geez. is like, Again, if you want it to be funnier, make it a younger movie. Make mm-hmm. it less gritty. Make it less upsetting. If you like you again, trying to have its cake and eat it, eat it yeah. too. Um, but the pacing, the pacing was whack. The, I, the last act, I was like, "What the f is happening?" I'm bored. The last act is so rushed after all of the setup that they did. Um, I thought that the first and second act were like they were okay. I was, I was, enjo- I was enjoying watching like the different riddles and you know the different crime scenes and the you know detective work I was it was slow and it was quiet and I was okay with that Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden the the pacing kind of shifted in a way where I was like "Mm, you shot too much and now you're trying to fit all of it in basically there's also I thought an element of like the visual language gets less specific in the last act Mm -hmm. because in the first two you see like literally like scenes and shots that are framed as comic books as comic book frames like there's this one scene where it's a dark hallway and the only thing lighting the hallway is gunfire which is like amazing from the pages of comics it looked great it was really interesting it plays a lot with symmetry and like uh we see a lot of things from overhead kind of in the way that like bruce might be seeing them um there's a lot of shots that we only see in in part which i think was really interesting like it's nice to to be sort of unsure and then at the end it turns into a disaster movie like an action disaster movie and I'm like Mm -hmm. "Uh, okay well yeah and everything becomes so explicit one of the things I really liked about the beginning of the movie and even just the beginning monologue which I'm not a huge fan of just it was so long it was so long it was like 10 minutes long it was really long but you know the one of the cool things about the Batman um, is the idea that like merely shadows in this city makes people think twice about doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of like you're waiting for a jump scare, but it's just someone is just in the shadows or maybe they're not. Um, and then all of that subtlety just goes out the window. Yeah. In the end of the film. I agree. And I like... Uh... the worst part of these movies is the the final like the 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 finale always Mm -hmm. always I can't like and I think that probably Dark Knight was the last one I liked Mm -hmm. so often the worst part of these movies is the big you know 40 minute punch him up at the end I just can't I can't care I can't keep caring about that it doesn't engage me anymore because it happens all the time and I know that the good guys are gonna win not enough deaths in this movie not nearly 
enough. The fact that Penguin lives, I, I know they have to make I him I think live. he's going to be the setup for the next one, which is great because I love Colin Farrell, but like. Me too. Um, also, but like. But Falcone is kind of the only, Falcone is the only one. Alfred lives mm-hmm. after the bomb attack. Yeah. Um, and the the Riddler murders are people we just don't care about. People we don't know, you know, yeah. like the, those are just red shirts, basically. Mm-hmm. Even the mayor is just a red shirt because we don't we do not know them. He's just an excuse for a very public funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which oh, where have we seen that before? Um, every every other Batman movie. <laughs> yeah, every Batman movie. Um, let's wrap this up. Final thoughts. What are your final thoughts on the Batman? Final thoughts. I um, I had a good time watching it. I liked it. I was not feeling super strongly either way, which is kind of an accomplishment because most of the time most superhero movies I've watched lately I've come away being like I have well the the crazy thing is how few negative thoughts I have mm-hmm. and also I think that this was one of the most visually interesting um you know superhero movies not even just Batman movies but superhero movies that I've seen in a really long time it felt like there was actual care being taken mm-hmm. um when you know they were setting up these shots I had so much to think about and I rarely have things to think about that aren't the things that made me crazy yeah um I loved that the Carver twins were in this oh we didn't even talk about them Ah, uh, the Carver twins but it also <laughs> like I gasped and nobody around me I thought that they were gonna be in one scene but they kept going back and I was like yeah are they, gonna mor- are they gonna morph into a super teen wolf a treat for Teen Wolf fans. A treat for Teen Wolf fans. Yeah, yeah truly. They fan. they were fun to see. It's like funny because clearly that role was supposed to be like it was written for twins. Mm-hmm. Um, but they uh, couldn't find twins who were taller than like five ten, so they don't really look like bouncers. They just look like t- some dudes. Yeah, with the neck tattoos. I liked it though. I was, mm-hmm. it's, it's fun to see them and like you know mostly I saw them and I was like happy they're working. Same. Although one of them was in Boys in the Band. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Um. I. 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 I feel like a bad twin, not knowing which. But oh, <laughs> oh well. no, I have no idea. Yeah. Um. There was. Um. There was a moment where um a phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing, and the Riddler's like, "I've been trying to reach you," and it's like about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> um. And also, uh, I don't know if this was intentional, but um, during the interrogation scene, you know, the Riddler's wearing his glasses and they keep flashing, which is like the number one indication in any anime that some person is up to no good. (laughs) That's funny. And it was just constant. I thought it was really um, funny and and cool to look at, just kind of in general. Yeah. What are your final thoughts? Um, Again, I feel like I walked away feeling sated. I don't necessarily feel like I need to rewatch this movie. Um, I was really, I'm actually ha- really happy. Like, it was really fun to watch a movie that didn't exist in a quote unquote universe. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Batman. Like, my, my, you know, my older brother dressed up as Batman for like the majority of his childhood. Like, Batman mm-hmm. means a lot to me personally. Um, I was excited to see something that didn't, doesn't necessarily break the mold, but does work toward expanding it. Mm. Um, I thought it was visually interesting. I th- again, I thought the politics were wishy-washy, like maybe just say, say what you mean. Uh, it's not that difficult. I don't think. No, it is. If you're like it, the politics that wishy-washy tell me that you were trying to just mar- make this movie as marketable as possible. It's like. I'm actually disinterested in that because like at 
their root like comics are political like vehicles and like are straightforward with their like not always but like that was their intent when they started and like and just in general art is political yeah and this was like trying really hard to not be anything anything Mm -hmm. again like neolib propaganda um i thought the visual i thought it was visually really interesting i thought the dialogue was horrible i thought the acting was phenomenal given how little they had to work with dialogue wise um yeah i you know what let's skip to letter grades i give this an a minus i would agree with you i would agree with you who do you think would really like this movie? I think this is not a movie for your typical superhero movie fan. Mm-hmm. I think that it doesn't hand enough to you. It's not an origin story. There was a lot of people in our theaters, again, on their phones because I think they were expecting to come in and get like a hee-hee-ha-ha from like some, you know, silly Marvel movie. Like, I do think that it is asking more of you as an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably a little bit... Like, I think the audience is slightly younger than it was advertised as. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it's Batman, so it's always going to appeal more to the boys than the girls. But also, Rob Pattinson's a hottie and girlies. So you should watch it, too. Hard agree. I think crime drama enthusiasts would enjoy it. And 14-year-olds, just kind of in general. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. If I were 14 when this movie came out, I'd be like, this is the best movie I've ever seen in my entire life. That was one of my main thoughts I had when we left the theater. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm... 26 so So, not quite there anymore (laughs) no no but it was fun you know see it hopefully you see it in a good crowd um don't do not pull your phone out in the middle of a movie unless it's an emergency it's like you can that's the thing about movies you can just get up and go to the bathroom like you can just leave the car chase is 10 minutes long yeah just just, a heads up just a heads up you can if you need to check your phone do it then although i saw a play i saw i saw gem of the ocean at the goodman and people pulled their phones out i literally think people have just like lost their sense of like social you oh, know, we all have to graces. re-socialize ourselves in Imagine the coming pulling year. your phone out at a play. Dude, that lights up your face in a dark audience. The actors can see what you're doing. I I personally would never do it. Never. Listeners of side flicks, don't, don't ever dare. do that. Do not. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, I just, it's I hope, rude. I hope you have the ideal viewing experience. I think you'll have a good time. Personally, not going to watch this movie again for, I don't know, a while. Maybe mm-hmm. when it comes out, you know. Yeah streaming but even then i don't think i'm gonna reach for it i had a great time i'm happy to see some changes in the genre which is now apparently very much here to stay although i think it's kind of waning slightly i i hope so i want to go a whole year no superhero movies we did that it was like 2020 that's true but i want it to be intentional and not because of a global pandemic that's true all right i think that about wraps it up i think so if you guys see the batman in theaters we want to hear about it tell us your thoughts tweet at us at sideflix pod on twitter you can follow our other podcast which updates more regularly about shows that only got one season we're watching firefly called one season wonders follow us on twitter at osw underscore pod Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get them. If you like Teen Wolf, if you want to hear us talk more about the Carver Twins, you can listen to our Teen Wolf podcast at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf. If you want to support our podcast, you can buy us a coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash Gilly and Pershing Productions. Other than that, I've been Christian. I've been Julia. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.